You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. So you can see from the screen, the talk I want to bring to you this morning is about praying for results. Sounds a bit selfish, might even sound a little bit secular, trying to get results. But um, I actually believe it's a a biblical thing and a godly thing to actually pray for results. There are non-Christian philosophers and psychologists who say that prayer is powerful because it has a therapeutic effect. And so many Christians also seem to adopt this attitude of prayer that it has a therapeutic effect, which it does. And that's all that it is. So it's just this sense that there's someone out there who's listening. Um, But I just want to take it a step further this morning and remind, I probably imagine everybody in here of what you already know. uh, And that is that there is a God in heaven who hears our cries and wants to act on our behalf. And that he is listening. And sometimes, weirdly, he's just waiting for us to ask. So I want to talk this morning about praying for results. And there's a verse in Scripture. Dave, you could just press down arrow. The clicker's broken. Um, So we've got Dave the clicker. Um, Famous verse here. Not my main passage. I've got two passages of Scripture that I want to look at. Um, Just read them and see what they say to you. Um, and, And... out of that, I've just got two points, one point per passage. But the overarching idea for me is that the prayer of a righteous person, what does the old version say, Dave? I bet you remember that better. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much, or availeth much, I reckon. Um, yeah, it's powerful and effective. How many of you feel like, let's do the show of hands, how many of you feel like your prayers are both powerful and effective every time you pray? Who feels like that? Right, you're either all mostly paralysed or a few of you, um, only a few of you feel like your prayers are powerful and effective. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me we can't rely on our feelings. We've got to align our thinking with the Word of God because the Word of God says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like things that are effective. I think effective is a good word. It's a word that's used a lot when you're trying to buy something and you, or, you, or you're trying to acquire something new, like uh, maybe as a teacher, you're, my 20 years of experience in, a, in, in teaching in a classroom, you're looking for effective methods to communicate something. You're looking for something to be effective. I want my car to be effective. If I was buying a new car, I'd want it to be powerful and effective. We like these words. We like these things in our ordinary world. You, you don't want a car that's powerless and defective, um, which is what mine feels like sometimes, um, but I'm still grateful to God that it's there. Um, But sometimes we feel like our prayers are like that, don't we? We actually feel like, if we're honest, our prayers are powerless um, and ineffective. And so we've got to kind of realign our thinking with what the Bible says. So maybe, actually, one of the things we think then, maybe it's not just that... um, we, we've, got our, we've got our feelings wrong. Maybe it's just that we're not righteous because you could just say, well, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My prayers are not powerful and effective. Therefore, I'm not righteous. But that's not true. Okay? If, you, if you've given your life to Jesus this morning, I want you to know that you are righteous. Have a look at two quick verses with me. Please, Dave. Thank you. 
Oh yeah, I've done that bit. Sorry, the question, how do we make sure our prayers are effective? Make sure we're righteous. So any pre-Christians in the room, I say in faith, pre-Christians, um, this is what you need to do. You need to get yourself right with God. You need to align yourself with God and say sorry for the sins, the things that you've done that are wrong, and he can make you righteous. Um, Dave, if you could show us the next slide, we'll see that there's loads of scriptures that talk about this, but it's not my main point. But I just want to reassure you, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are classified as righteous. You're either in or you're out, and you're in, okay? And you are righteous in the eyes of Christ, not through anything you've done, even when you've screwed up, even when you kicked the cat this morning deliberately, or even when you shouted at your wife or whatever, you can't escape the fact that you are seen by God as righteous. He's forgiven your sinfulness and your sin. Okay, so it says in Romans 5.19, just as through the disobedience of the one man, that's Adam, all right? It was meant, he was mentioned in one of the hymns we sang earlier about Adam and his race. We are part of Adam's race and we all inherit this sinfulness just through one man. Just, but in the same way that the writer here, Paul, is, is saying there's a mirror image here of something so much more beautiful. In the same way that Adam caused all of us to be sinful, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, who was not just man but fully God also, the many will become or be made righteous. That's us. We are made righteous through Jesus. Next slide, please. Thank you very much, Dave. You're doing a great job. Give Dave a round of applause already. He's doing so well. Just keep keeping you warm, you see. If you want to do a star jump at any time because you're cold, that's also acceptable. Uh, God made him who had no sin that's Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We sing that in another song, don't we? He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. We are right with God. We are justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. It's just as if I'd never sinned. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you are righteous if you've given your life to Jesus. However you feel, you are righteous. God loves you. He's, he's laid it all out for us. We've celebrated it over communion. So that means if I am in that category of righteous, that means that my prayers are powerful and they are effective. So whatever I think about that, whatever my track record of answered prayers is I've got to align my thinking with the Word of God. So maybe I've been praying things that aren't actually uh, things that he wants to do, or maybe they've been powerful and I haven't noticed the power, and there's all different ways we can interpret the, the idea that perhaps sometimes our prayers just don't feel like that. But what I wanted to do today was bring out two points or two ideas about powerful prayer. I've actually got six points um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend this talk in Wednesday night. So Paul's already mentioned Wednesday night live. If, if, if this triggers any thoughts in you of, yeah, I actually need to get praying more and take prayer more seriously, then do, do everything you can to come on Wednesday night and I'm going to unpack some more thoughts quite quickly really and then we're going to spend some time in prayer. I just felt since, I don't know, a month or so ago that God's calling this church to, to step up a little bit in prayer and also me in my own life. I don't consider myself to be what some people call themselves a prayer warrior. Um, I'm not a natural pray, prayer warrior. I like thinking, praying, I like walking and thinking with 
God in mind and, and I'm, I'm quite natural at that and, and I pray quite well when I'm in a group um, because I know other people are listening but if, I'm, if I have a prayer time on my own I find it hard to stay focused I'll be honest with you and so there's different things we can do which is not what I'm talking about today but you can, you can uh, if you've got a if you set aside some time to pray, it's good to use scripture and, and actually prepare that time thinking, well, what am I going to read? What am I going to do? What am I going to pray about? But other times, it's just good to let the Spirit lead you in your prayers. The first time, the, the, the prayer meeting we have at William and Christine's on a Tuesday, the first time that meeting uh, set off, um, when it was first initiated, it was actually Trude, um, I think probably Trude and Sylve meeting in the house of Hyde. And, and I went to one of those early ones and, and Trude just says, we've, we've not got a prayer agenda, we haven't got a prayer list. I just want us to be quiet and see what the Holy Spirit tells us to pray about. And I thought that was really good. So the first thing I want to talk about is praying in the Spirit. Okay, so um, praying for results, I want us to think about praying in the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, there we get this phrase that says, and pray in the Spirit. But before it comes all the stuff about the armour of God. And so I kind of think they're probably linked because it says, and pray in the Spirit. Um, and, and I just don't feel like it's a new topic. So let's have a look at these verses, familiar to many of us about the armour of God. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's so easy to try and be strong in our own strength, isn't it? It's so easy to be strong. And we just heard a prayer, which I believe was somebody praying in the Spirit and using Scripture and saying, where do I look to for help? Where does my help come from? I look to the hills. No, my help comes from God, from His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. They are heavy verses, guys. You know, this armour of God thing that's on the next slide, this is because we live in a dark world. And it's not just a dark world because people are corrupt and, and there's this natural law called entropy, which means things slowly get worse. That's bad enough on its own that people are corrupt, people are selfish, and things just generally rot if you don't look after them. That's bad enough on its own. But there are evil forces at work. I'm sorry to be so dismal on a Sunday morning. It's cold enough as it is. Now I'm telling there's evil at work. I'm not coming to this church again. Well, I don't make any apologies for, for preaching what the Bible says and, and, and telling you the truth about the situation that we find ourselves in, in this world, in this temporary slither of time that we have in this world. Let's carry on reading. Thank you. Therefore, so because of all that stuff, what's going on outside and beyond the, the realms that we see with our physical eyes, therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guards, sorry, stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. I like that sometimes, I just feel like, do you know what God, I've done everything, I'm just going to stand, I'm just going to just hold my nerve. Sometimes I just feel like God says, just hold your nerve. We've had some horrible um, situations that we've, we've heard about through email and through different situations. And, and sometimes you kind of feel all prayed out and you've, there's nothing you can physically do. And sometimes you've just got to stand. And um, 
you remember Stuart Keir, who's come a couple of times to preach. He comes from Audacious Church in Manchester, but he's a long-term friend of ours. And, um, and, and sometimes I'll text him a prayer request, not very often, um, and he always replies, standing with you. I just like that. I like the fact that someone's just standing with me. It's really, really good. It feels good just to know someone's praying. But I like the idea that um, having done everything, just stand. Stand firm then. And, and how do we stand firm? What have we got that helps us to stand firm? I'm going to come back to these, but I'll read them quickly now. And then we'll go on to the bit that talks about praying in the Spirit. And then I'm just going to go back to these. Uh, it'll be on the next slide. And I'll just have underlined uh, all the, 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 the points of the, the armour. So we've got the, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, as if that wasn't enough, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's quite interesting language. It's not that you might just hope to get rid of some of those arrows. You can. You can. You can extinguish every, every flaming arrow. Now, I know some of them get past. Perhaps it's because we haven't lifted up our shield of faith strong enough. Perhaps because we've got our hands on something else as well as a shield of faith. But I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to stand in faith, to stand in prayer. And you can ward off those fiery darts that come from the evil one. Take then 17, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So, in this short talk about prayer, I first of all want to suggest to you that to ensure that our prayers are as powerful as they could be and that they are as effective as they could be is that we pray in the Spirit. I want you to notice the capital S. We're praying in the Spirit of God here. There's another phrase in the Bible about praying with the Spirit, which is when we pray in tongues. That's, our, that's a small s. That's, that's our spirits. When we pray in tongues, the gift that God gives us so that we can pray from within, from deep within, our spirits cry out to God, praying in tongues. We can do that not just all the time, can we? I, can't, I, I just think it would be a little bit weird if I was walking down the supermarket, pushing my trolley, speaking in tongues at the top of my voice. But it does say here, pray in the Spirit at all times. There's lots of things we can do in the Spirit. I had a quick flick through the Bible app. I just did a search for in the Spirit. And uh, I noticed that John was in the Spirit in Revelation chapter 1 when he, he, he got his revelation from God. There are other things we can do in the Spirit. But he's encouraging us to pray in the Spirit. And I haven't really done a big study of what that might mean. But what I felt was right to encourage you about this morning is just to to just move away from mumbling rote prayers and mumbling things that you've said in the past and just bringing things in a kind of relaxed or half-hearted way to God, but just kind of get in the Spirit. How do you do that? Well, maybe you're just going to get into the Word of God a little bit more. Start praying scriptures. I think that's powerful to do. Praying scriptures. There are some amazing psalms where David has, and not just David, uh, other, other people wrote the psalms, but mostly David, has just written some stuff that we can just jump on the back of and use those words and start praying Holy Spirit-inspired scripture. There's, I'll tell you what, whatever you are going through, there's 
a dozen psalms that can, or a dozen verses at least in the psalms that can be found that you can pray through and pray through, not just pray about, pray through the situation. Just keep praying. Pray also for me, he says, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. He's talking about praying, praying, praying. If you go to the next slide, we'll just go rewind a few verses. So when we're praying in the Spirit, which is a verse that says, and pray in the Spirit, and beforehand he's talked about the full armour, I just thought it would be interesting to look at not, not the sort of physical armour and the imagery, just, let's just cut straight to the chase and say what are the, what are the elements of this armour that Paul was talking about. So we've got the belt of truth. I just feel like for us to pray in the Spirit, it's important that we just immerse ourselves in truth. Again, we've heard from a prayer that the devil is a liar and he comes in many forms. He comes masquerading as an angel of light. And there's so many things in our world and in our lives that come across that seem like truth, but they're not truth. And I think we need to immerse ourselves in truth, in the truth of God's word and the truth that we find when we, when we listen to good teaching and preaching and the truth that we find when we, when we seek God. We need to immerse ourselves in truth. We need to know that we're righteous. Remember the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let's be assured of our righteousness. Sometimes we just don't feel worthy, do we? Let's be honest. We remember, we remember the, the, the way we treated somebody recently and it wasn't right, it wasn't godly, it wasn't Christ-like. We remember the way we've been in the past or we remember the things that we know in, deep down in our hearts, we know we've been forgiven of, but we just remember those wrong things about us. You know, if someone, if someone gives you some feedback on something and um, there's about five praise points, if you like, five things that are, that's, I've got six fingers up, I know, I know, all right. There's, f- <laughs> there's five things that they say were good about what you've done and in the middle of it, there's just one criticism. What's the bit you remember? It's the criticism, isn't it? It's just the way we're wired. It's almost like a self-defense mechanism that, that we, we just notice the bad stuff. You've got to remember that you are righteous. Don't remember the bad stuff about yourself because Jesus doesn't. He, He doesn't remember your sins. Be assured of your righteousness. It will help you to pray in the Spirit. It will help your prayers reach another level. Be immersed in the truth. Be assured of your righteousness. Carry the gospel with you. I don't mean carry a gospel booklet with you. I mean carry it in your heart as you walk through life. Carry the good news. Gospel is good news. Carry the good news of Jesus in you. As you start each day being immersed in truth, assured of your righteousness, walk through your day knowing that the gospel is the only thing that really matters to the people around you that you meet. I mentioned before when I talked about life, I talked about this temporary sliver of time that we have. The only real thing that matters. The only real thing that matters. And boy, we'll realise it one day when we, when, we, when we stand in glory. We'll realise it one day how short time was down here. We've got to walk through life assured of the gospel being the most important thing. 
So we're immersed in truth. We're assured of our righteousness. We're carrying the gospel. We're, we're carrying the shield of faith. Talked a little bit about faith already, about those fiery arrows. And we're assured of our salvation. The helmet, the, I, I said I wouldn't talk about the physical uh, metaphors, but the helmet protects your head. And I just think some of us just need to protect our thinking sometimes. You know, our, our thinking doesn't line up with the fact that we're saved. Do you realize what we're saved from? And saved to. And these, these things help us to pray in the Spirit at all times, on all occasions, with all kinds of requests. At all times, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, we can pray in the Spirit. And then this last one, I just think is key to everything, and, and it kind of comes into all of them. The, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. One of our chief values in this church is the Word of God. This is why I've been to other churches and, and they have a nod to Scripture in a, in a, in a, good, in a good preach. This is why we, we ensure that there's a, there's a strong passage of Scripture in all of our preaching. We value the Word of God. And, and if anything could change about something that you do and, and you're wondering about what, what, what action point have I got out of this talk, just get into the Word. Get into the Word. Find ways of getting into the Word of God. Yeah, it's, it's boring. It's hard to understand. It's written in difficult language. Even, even the modern translations are sometimes hard to understand. Just ask the Lord to lead you. Uh, for, for quite a long time now, and I'm not following this plan but at, at the moment, but for quite a long time now, I've just asked the Holy Spirit towards the end of a book that I'm reading. I've, I mean a book in the Bible, not Agatha Christie or something. Towards the, like I'm reading through John's Gospel, for example. By the time of the last couple of chapters, which could take three weeks, by the way, I, I sometimes read like five verses and just go over and over it for a couple of days. Um, but by the time I'm towards the end chapters, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, lead me to the next book. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? Please don't say one of those early books with all those laws in. Please don't say Leviticus. Where do you want me to go next? Take me on this journey, this adventure of reading, the, reading your word and, and just absorb yourself in the word of truth because there's a lot of stuff in there that you won't find anywhere else in the world but it's so key, so important. And all of that stuff helps you to pray in the Spirit. When you, when, you, when you start doing those things, you immerse yourself in truth, you're aware of your righteousness, you're carrying the gospel, you're, you're lifting up faith, you're, you're starting to take steps of faith in the light of the things that you've been reading in the Word of God and you know that your salvation is sure. Your prayers change. You start to pray bolder prayers. You really do. And that's what, I, that's what I want to encourage us to do as a church. I want us to pray corporately as a church better than we do. And I don't mean that we do anything bad. All I'm saying is I just feel like God is calling us, some of us, to the next level in prayer. And, and some, of you, some of you are ahead of me, I'll be honest, you know. Um, so he's calling me to a new level of prayer. I, I didn't look this up and I, it's not in my notes. What notes? Um, I, I just came into my head. When... When we appointed, when we, when the church appointed deacons in the book of Acts, wasn't it so that the apostles could spend more time in the word and in prayer? 
It wasn't that the important thing. It wasn't so that they could do more hospital visits, or not that that's a bad thing. It wasn't so that they could, they could go to more conferences or, or be on more committees. It was so that they could spend time in the Word and in prayer. And if that's important for the apostles and, and for the church leadership, I reckon it's important for everybody. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is important. Praying in the Spirit is just not mumbling prayers that you just think are the right thing to say. They're praying you get into a place in God, you get into a connection with him. And yes, praying in tongues gets you there. Praying in tongues does help get you there. But praying in the spirit is what I wanted to encourage some of us to do. Before I move on to our second and final point, another thing I didn't put in the notes that I don't have in front of me. Um, the minister at the Baptist church, Jeff Andrews, um, spent a little bit of time with him now and then. I might have mentioned this already. He was, I don't know what the Baptists call the regional superintendent, but that's what he was for London and area for the Baptist church. Before he's coming to semi-retirement here, he's not full-time in the Baptist church here, but he, we, we had a coffee together once and we were talking about things he'd done and how he's seen church growth and um, what his job used to be like when he had to go to lots of different churches in the London area um, and all that sort of thing. But one of the last things he said, said to me, he says, if I could do it all again, I'd, I'd do a lot less and I'd pray a lot more. I think, well, if a guy like that, with all that experience, says that, you've got to take notice, haven't you? I'd pray a lot more. So I think maybe that was the start of my journey of God nudging me, John, you need to pray more. Stop relying on your charm and charisma. It's not working. Haven't you realized that? So, so the second... Um, the second passage I wanted to read and the, the second point is, so number one, pray in the Spirit. Whatever, that, whatever, you, whatever you've taken from that, just let's, let's pray some passionate prayers um, and let's get, into, let's get into God. Let's connect. The second one is praying with others. Just really feel as a leadership team, we've been chatting this through and, and, and feel like more of us could be in groups. Uh, and it, it might not be the, the structured home groups that we've set up. There might just be opportunities for you to meet with someone for coffee and, and pray together not just to meet for coffee because it's nice it's nice to have a Christian friend who understands it's it's important it, we get a sense of the power of prayer and we want to meet together pray together I said before I pray better when I'm in a group partly because I know other people are listening and I know that's shocking isn't it because I know God's listening but it's just it just helps you phrase the words sometimes um, and just to listen to someone else pray it lifts your spirit it encourages you unless all they're doing is moaning to God about the gammy leg or something but pick the right person and, and just pray together so the passage I've chosen for this uh, and we're going to look at this again in more depth on Wednesday night um, is Acts 12 it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them so they arrested them, and that's not even starting the persecution. I'd say I'm being persecuted at arrest. But no, we're arresting you intending to persecute you. He's, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And we can just read over that quickly and move on to the story. But just think about the, the knock-on effects that had in the psyche and the emotions of the people and of the other people who were imprisoned. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded, get this, by four squads of four soldiers each. 
if you're not good at maths, that's 16 soldiers guarding one person. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So, Peter was kept in prison, but, and this is why I like this story, this isn't the one where he sings praises at midnight, this is the one where he goes to sleep. But what's happening in the background? The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was praying for him. This is the power of when the church comes together to pray. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Another verse you could just read over without thinking about. He's asleep. You've got, you've got a guy who's, who's just killed one of your Christian brothers and he's put you in prison with 16 guards and you can sleep. This is the same Peter who probably remembers Jesus asleep in the boat in the storm and is now full of the spirit of Jesus. Bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in a light and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. I just remember we sang that in that hymn, didn't we? Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron, iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. All that while the church was praying. I love that. Peter was put in prison, but the church was praying. Now how many situations could we rewrite that verse for? So-and-so had financial problems, but the church was praying. Somebody else had cancer, but the church was praying. Just imagine if we start praying in the Spirit, praying together, and actually starting to believe that our prayers are powerful and effective as we lift the shield of faith against the fiery arrows of the enemy. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. It's like he's, it's like he's almost saying that for the sake of the camera. You know when someone, something's written badly, for, I'm not saying the Bible's badly written, I'm just saying it reminds me of a script where someone, no, I realise that this, that and that has happened and it's just explaining to the audience. And from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he, I just love the humanity of it. You know, Peter didn't do anything. He was sleeping. But the church was praying. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Okay, so this story is sandwiched with this idea that the church was praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. 
Don't you love that? They're praying. They're up all night praying for Peter. Peter was asleep, so it's night time. And they're up. They're having this prayer vigil. But when the prayers are answered, they don't even believe it. I love that. You know, people say, talk about faith being important. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And faith, faith, faith. And we need to lift up the faith. But sometimes doubt doesn't even discredit you. Isn't that amazing? That the grace of God... You know, they don't even believe that it's him. Or it must be his angel. They'd actually find it easy to believe that it's Peter's angel, whatever even that, th- that would be, is at the door and they've got this angelic appearance than Peter has got out of prison. That's just how human they are. So they're not this holy, amazing uh, church praying with halos on their heads. They're ordinary. They're human. They don't even recognise it when it's Peter. They don't even recognise the miracle they've been praying for when it comes and knocks on their door. May that be true for us as well. Not that we don't recognise it, but some of the, not the miracles that we'll be, we've been praying for would come knocking on your door. And you'd be almost like, I don't believe it, but I should do. Because I've been praying and my prayers are powerful and effective. And I've been praying in the Spirit and I've been praying with my brothers and sisters. And it's happening! Wow, but Peter kept on knocking. <laughs> Poor guy, what a night. It's had a bit of a rough night. I've had better. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Not they were filled with faith, which I'm sure they were, but I just like the way the Bible tells it like it is with all the warts and everything of all the people so that we can connect and think, you know what, I can do this. I can pray. Let's, um, let's think wrap this up then you've got some choices you've got a choice you can you can pray half-heartedly or you can just don't pray at all because you've 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 had a bad experience in prayer where God didn't give you the lottery numbers or um or more seriously something you really felt God would do was in was in line with his character and with it in line with his word and he didn't do it because we just don't understand the mind of God and we can just give us prayer hmm, not sure or we can just get close to him. We can, we can, if we've been given the gift, speak in tongues. If we haven't asked for the gift, and we can seek God and dig deeper into him and ask that he would help us to pray in the spirit. The, the, the Bible talks a lot about um, the, the contrast between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh is the kind of physical me. Um, it's kind of me on my worst day as a Christian. Um, and I suppose you could draw the same contrast. You're going to either pray in the spirit or you're going to pray in the flesh. You're just going to talk off what, you know, what, all about me and my needs and, and it's just not going to be in tune with God. So you've got a choice to make. And you, if, you, if you struggle with the idea of praying in the spirit and leveling up, just ask God about it. But it, you, know, you might struggle with the idea, but it, it tantalizes you a little bit. And you think, Do you know what, I, I want this. Another choice is you can isolate yourself Monday to Saturday or you can pray with others. And that was the two things I wanted to encourage you to do is to just ask the Lord how you might level up into praying in the Spirit and ask the Lord who it is you might pray with. I would suggest you get in a group, get in some of our home groups. I've, I've been to all of them, but I, I now um, go to one of them all the time now when I'm here. Um, and they are just great Christian brothers and sisters who you can open up to you can ask questions about what we've talked you know there's no one there who's a who's a 
I don't like using the word guru because that's not even from Christianity. People, the word guru's slipped into our vocabulary, hasn't it? So anyway, there's not anyone there who's like this theological hero. Um, but you can just ask questions and chat stuff through and pray stuff through and talk together. Get in a group, pray together. And, and maybe as a group, just start praying for something specific together every time you meet until something shifts because that's what can happen. You pray through things, not just pray about things. We can pray effectively. Something I read earlier this week was there never has been a prayerless revival in history. And we, we ask for revival, we ask for people to come to Christ, we ask for this church and, and his kingdom, not just this family church to be extended. We ask for his church with a big C to be extended, but let's pray for it. And finally... Um, penultimately, sorry. I just thought it was worth reminding you of 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, you are, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, you might not have any wicked ways that you think God wants to point out to you, but let's just pull out of that verse the idea of of us praying and God hearing and healing our land because we're starting to level up in our prayer. Billy Graham said, a mystery and wonder of prayer is that God often waits until someone asks. Unbelievable. The God, the King of the universe would wait for me to ask, but he just loves me so much he wants to connect and interact and partner with me. By his grace, let's pray. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.